0: Welcome to the IASA Podcast Network. I am Rich Volz, Associate Director of the Illinois Association of School Administrators. Today, our guest is David Braun, attorney with the Miller, Tracy Braun, Funk, and Miller Law Firm. The topic of this podcast is possible effects with medical or legalizing marijuana in Illinois public schools. Good morning, David. Please tell our listeners about yourself and your role as a school attorney.
1: Hi, Dr. Volz. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with your listeners. Uh, I'm a school attorney with Miller Tracy. We represent about, uh, it fluctuates, but about 200 school districts throughout Illinois. Uh, we work with school boards and uh, with serving as few as as, uh, just a handful, fewer than 100 kids, up to school districts with several thousand kids. Uh, and we work from tip to tip throughout the state, on, uh, from the east to the west and the north to the south throughout.
0: The history of marijuana use in the United States is interesting. When researching for this podcast, I discovered that in 1914, some states began putting limits on the consumption of marijuana. The United States passed a law in 1937 regulating the importation, cultivation, possession, and distribution of the drug. In 1970, marijuana became a Schedule I narcotic in the Controlled Substance Act. California became the first state to legalize medical marijuana in 1996. In 2012, Colorado and Washington became the first states to legalize cannabis for recreational use. As of 2017, 29 states have medical marijuana or cannabis laws. According to an ABC News story, New Jersey, Illinois, Delaware, and Colorado permit parents to give their child non-smokable medicinal pot products at school. Former Governor Rahner signed this bill in August 2018. What effect will this have for Illinois school districts?
1: Well, so the law is called Ashley's Law. It is it is now incorporated as 22-33 of the Illinois School Code. Um, Ashley's Law, obviously it's a new law. Uh, it's motivated out of a case that was filed in the Chicago area um, with a young lady named Ashley who... Uh, was suffering, I I think, debilitating, uh, or at least allegedly debilitating seizures as a function of her condition. And uh, she had sought to be able to use a product derived of cannabis uh, in order to stop those seizures so that she could participate meaningfully in the educational program. Uh, the legislature ultimately, in addition to her case, the legislature ultimately passed a law which prohibits school districts from outright prohibiting uh, use of cannabis in school for medical need. However, it's important to note several things about the law. First, the law has a number of subsection provisions. The first of them is that the adoption of the policy is mandatory. So the first effect for school districts is you've got to adopt the policy. Um, I I think failing to have the policy potentially subjects the school district to some risk. And therefore, I I think most school districts have and have probably been advised that the law isn't optional. You have to adopt the policy. But there's great news in the law for districts that are concerned about it, which is that the law specifically requires excuse me, a case-by-case analysis. And uh, Section C of the law of 22-33 says the school district can prohibit use on the basis of uh, their concern that it'll create a disruption of the school environment. Uh, they can also prohibit use in the event that the federal uh, government threatens to remove federal funds. And the reality right now is that there's a great big swath of unsettled disagreement between the states and the federal government. Of course, marijuana, as you noted in the opening, uh, marijuana remains a Schedule I drug. Therefore, it's prohibited uh, for use by the federal government. But in the state of Illinois, it's also been specifically permitted through Ashley's law for certain circumstances and through uh, an earlier law which uh, provides a, uh, a path to medical use of marijuana uh, through a program uh, at the state level, uh, which allows it to be prescribed for certain uses. The, right now, we're in a state of flux, and so generally what we've suggested to our clients is First, you've got to adopt the policy. Second, you can't make the determination broadly. Yes, all marijuana comes in, period, because that's not legal yet. Nor can you make the the broad prohibition. There's no way I'll ever let it in under any circumstances because that brings you squarely into conflict with with Ashley's law. But that said, I can think of very few situations, if any, where it would not be disruptive to use marijuana on the bus right now, for instance, nor can I think of any situations uh, where I wouldn't be concerned about the federal government's view. There is a uh, memorandum uh, called the Cole Memorandum that was adopted during the uh, Obama administration, which says that the federal government will simply cease enforcement But that was rescinded under attorney general jeff sessions so we don't know where the federal government is and of course bill barr has yet to be confirmed Um, it's noteworthy that during his confirmation hearings he indicated that he supported the ongoing enforcement of the coal memorandum because a lot of uh, uh, entities had relied on the coal memorandum in allowing for use But he hasn't been confirmed yet, and we don't know that the administration will support that view, and we don't know whether that will ultimately be enforced or not enforced. So I think there is a concern about the uh, Title I funding, and I think school districts will have to proceed on a case-by-case basis depending on the situations and circumstances which which face them.
0: Yeah, so your answer to that question really about having a policy and taking it on a case-by-case basis is there anything besides that that school districts should be doing, as far as their student or employee rules are concerned?
1: Um, is there anything besides that? I, you know, I don't. At this point, I, I don't think one. I you know, I certainly don't want to advertise that we would consider it. Um, you know, the policy I think is legally required, and therefore we've got to adopt it. But I also don't think that the uh, that there's sufficiently change and clarity at the federal level to make me comfortable that we're simply going to allow it in any circumstance. But I think it's important that we distinguish the difference between uh, what the law permits and what the law certainly doesn't permit. Um uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. First of all, there is no uh, recreational use legal in the state of Illinois at this time. Moreover, every single state that has made recreational use legal has made it legal over the age of 21, which makes it just like alcohol. Uh, That's not any different than alcohol is in the state of Illinois. So from a legal permissive standpoint, it's, it's not right now in the state of Illinois. Uh, at least not broadly on a recreational basis. And even if it were to become legal, it seems very likely that there would be rules for its use. So the first thing is, I think we've got to see those rules before we can determine how we would proceed with anything else. But if it's prohibited for use under the age of 21, recreationally, it's simply not an issue for school students, for employees it's a different story and we're in an interesting quagmire right now because there is no reliable field test for marijuana the same way there is for alcohol with alcohol you can smell it when it's been recent uh, when it's been imbibed and intoxicant you can uh, conduct a field test uh, in order to gauge someone's sobriety We don't have that same ability necessarily with marijuana. There are tests that can detect marijuana, but depending on, I mean, depending on how you want how much you want to spend there's a distinction between a quantitative and a qualitative test which will determine the uh, amount of marijuana and the way marijuana was ingested or how much marijuana was ingested and what type of marijuana was ingested and even then we can't tell whether it's intoxicating at the moment of the test so that, again there are a lot of quagmires right now in terms of how we're actually going to uh, Uh, how we're going to implement these things. And so I think until we've got those worked out, really what we're talking about is medical use. And uh, in terms of determining whether medical use um, is permissible, I I think that's really got to be case by case because it strikes me that there's a big distinction between a parent who comes forward and says, I'd like my child to be able to use pot And a parent whose child is so significantly disabled that they simply have no capacity to participate meaningfully in the educational program and that's really what ashley what the case that uh, predicated ashley's law was about that was a student who was so disabled was suffering such severe seizures on such a regular basis uh, that allegedly she couldn't participate at all in the educational program and uh, you know, her allegation is that the drugs that stop those seizures or, or at least relieve those seizures, uh, reduce their effectiveness over time and have other side effects. And so, the prescriptive options on the table didn't necessarily um, didn't necessarily work for that student. Now, I wasn't involved in that case. I didn't litigate that case, and I don't know the real facts of that case. But I think it's important that when a case comes forward to the school district, that before they take a hard line one way or the other, they're investigating the specific facts of their situation. I'll be honest with you, Dr. Volz, I can think of very few situations where it would not be disruptive for a parent to be administering marijuana at school period. Um, But I also understand that if a school district were to have a child that they wanted to be able to have uh, uh, the ability to participate meaningfully in the school, that there may be other ways to work out the situation if they, if the school district wanted to, I can also tell you that I can construct the defense very easily under Ashley's law as presently drafted to be able to say no uh, out of hand, because again, I think it's very disruptive. I think it's very likely very disruptive at school. Moreover, we don't know what the federal enforcement is going to be, and I can conceive of a situation where title funds will be withheld from the school district. So I, I think all those issues need to be determined before a school district went forward. And, and I'm not aware that there is, among the schools that I've talked to, in any type of broad based interest in moving forward, permiss- uh, permitting marijuana broadly. Um, only to address those issues as they come up on a, on a case-by-case basis.
0: Okay, so, so in one of these extreme cases, would school employees be allowed to administer the marijuana? Wouldn't that technically be violating federal laws regarding drug-free workplaces?
1: Yes, I think it would. Um, and, you know, certainly I don't think that at this point it's safe to say, yes, that's the right answer. Um, I, in other words, I, you know, Ashley's law really deals with the parent administration of, uh, um, Ashley's law really deals with the parental administration of the drug, not with the school administration of the drug. And I can conceive of almost no situation where I think that the school district, um, applying the drug is safe Uh, that said uh you know again we just don't know where federal law is right now and until we do um you know i think that a school district that attempts to use or mandate employees to uh, participate in this is putting itself at some degree of risk uh, because we we don't know whether federal enforcement is going to double down on marijuana enforcement or get out of the way of marijuana enforcement until we've got that clarity and we've got some uh, historical perspective with it, I, I think it's just not safe at this juncture. I think it does, the short answer is yes, I think it does potentially put us into conflict with federal law when we have employees who are administering the drug. And therefore, if we're going to try and comply with Ashley's law, And we had a situation where a student absolutely needed it, and a school district wanted, uh, a school district determined that they did want to take that risk going forward. Um, I think it's important that Ashley's law does, in fact, talk about the uh, parental administration, not necessarily the school's administration.
0: Yeah, so earlier you referenced the idea that. Legalization of marijuana uh, would be treated similarly as uh, legal alcohol consumption, as far as students are concerned. Is there anything else you'd like to offer on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, as far as students are concerned, um, you know, alcohol is not legal for student use, and of course, it's prohibited in school policies, and. Uh, You know, certainly schools decide on a case by case basis as required by uh, the student disciplinary uh, rules, um, what they're going to do in terms of disciplinary exclusion for students and how they're going to handle that. I don't think there's any circumstance under which Ashley's law can be used or any of the other uh, legalization uh, rules that other states have passed could be used as a means to immunize a student against disciplinary consequence. Um, the, uh, I, I think that as you determine, um, I think if we're talking about medical use rather than recreational use, um, uh, if we're talking about medical use we've got a number of, of various issues. I think we've got storage issues and other things. And, you know, certainly I don't want to bring a school district into conflict with federal law. And therefore, I, you know, I don't want it uh, to be the school district's responsibility uh, to store uh, marijuana because at the present, the law doesn't permit that the law doesn't require that. And I don't think that it's safe school district to do it. Um, In terms of the recreational use, there is no way, there's no situation under the present laws in the other states that, you know, Illinois is likely to follow in which a student is legal to be possessing it anyway. So I don't know that that changes a school district's policy in any way, shape, or form, except to say that the school district probably needs to consider as it determines disciplinary consequence um, that, the breadth with which it's thinking about uh, student disciplinary consequences and what uh, the change to Illinois law means with regard to the uh, availability of, of the product of the student.
0: How about the legal use of marijuana by employees?
1: Well, I, so that's probably the situation that's going to be, That's probably the situation that's going to be most complicating for schools Uh, to be frank i don't think that the medical use stuff is going to change much except that you're going to require you now have to have the policy once you have the policy uh, uh i think most schools at this point are very likely to say no in almost every circumstance because of the likelihood of disruption and the risk of, of federal intervention that we just don't know about at this point with regard to employees and and employees and employees, possible legal recreational use of marijuana, excuse me, we've got a bit of a quagmire at the moment because of the fact that we can't test. There is no field sobriety test for marijuana. That's reliable at this juncture. So because we don't have a reliable field sobriety test, you know, I just don't know, um, I, I don't necessarily know how we're going to enforce that until I see the rules and how the rules are in effect. That said, uh, at present, the law very unambiguously says you cannot be under the influence of marijuana at work. So at present, there is no conflict with any of the laws, to my mind, uh, An intoxicated staff member is in violation of the law and thus in violation of school rules and can be disciplined accordingly. So at least at this juncture, we don't have any legalization of marijuana for employee use, period. When we get to a place where, if we were to get to a place where employee use is legalized outside of school, then I think we're going to be on a case-by-case analysis again in terms of the intoxication of the employee. You know, much like alcohol, um, uh, we can't discipline an employee for drinking on Friday night if they're not intoxicated Monday morning. If they're not impaired Monday morning, they've got the right to drink Friday night. And of course, there's a whole litany of cases from the 50s and 60s dealing with the school district's authority and jurisdiction uh, outside of school to restrict legal use of intoxicants. So, which is to say that a school district can't prohibit the use of alcohol on Friday, uh, so long as it's outside of school and not affiliated with school. I think the same thing goes with marijuana. It's not going to be that much different, except that we're going to have the field sobriety test issue, which is to say that determining somebody's level of intoxication is going to be a little bit more complicated that said, it's still not going to be legal. I don't think it's very likely just examining the laws of the other states, Washington and Colorado and some of the others that have fully legalized marijuana um, uh, or legalized marijuana more broadly than Illinois has at this point. Um, I, I just don't think that there's very likely to be a situation where they legalize intoxicant uh, being intoxicated at school, at work. Therefore, I think it's going to come down to a case by case analysis of what is the nature of the impairment and how do we prove it? So, you know, if an employee is impaired right now, even if I can't prove necessarily the uh, way the employee is impaired, I, you know, I have have some latitude to discipline if I can see results and the results have an effect within the classroom or on the job. That is, that if the employee is obviously impaired, I can discipline. Therefore, uh, I, I think it's going to be the same situation with marijuana. If an employee is obviously impaired, we can discipline.
0: This look at uh, medical and legalization of marijuana leads me to ask the question, how many schools are drug testing students for extracurricular participation or other school-related activities that you know of?
1: <laughs> um, So, I mean, it's an interesting question right now because, uh, I can tell you that when I start, I've been, uh, doing this job for almost, I think I joined the firm almost 15 years ago. Uh, and in that time, I can tell you that early on, I very rarely got questions about, um, uh, about using, uh, drug test for extracurricular activities. There fairly recently been a U.S. Supreme court case at that time. Uh, and I think school districts had, had sort of gotten quieter about doing that during that time. Uh, today I can tell you, I get the question all the time. Um, uh, Vernonia versus Acton is the case on point. Vernonia versus Acton is a very fact specific situation dealing with a, uh, a community where the school district had uh, determined, had engaged a, a study to determine the nature of uh, uh, drug use within their community and had determined that it was an epidemic, that they had a real problem, that they, they had community forums. They actually talked to the community about drug use. They became deeply concerned about it after determining that statistically it was really a problem and they ultimately determined to search students to conduct a uh, search of students and the question was did that search violate the fourth amendment the supreme court held no it did not violate the fourth amendment uh, prohibition against unreasonable search and seizure they indicated look that you know um, a urine based sample is not incredibly invasive in light of the reality that it was a dangerous situation where students are intoxicated um, while participating in sports, that that actually provided some danger for them. That said, obviously, um, uh, searches of students, drug searches, are um, at least somewhat invasive. They're they're not overly invasive in light of the nature of the problem described in Vernonia versus Acton, But a school district needs to proceed with some caution where they they can't prove the same kind of problem because, of course, different facts make different case results. And it's important that every school district, as they adopt a new policy, determine the nature of the particular facts in their situation. And what made Vernonia very compelling to the U.S. Supreme Court was the fact that the school district could prove that there actually was a problem that they were trying to stop and that it was creating a real danger to the students on the field. It was not merely a problem of the students doing things outside of school that the police were unable to prove. It was more than that, that there was a real epidemic problem and that epidemic problem was affecting the students' safety in the school program, uh, the extracurricular school program. The Supreme Court also noted that students don't have the same fundamental right to participate in athletics the way they do uh, participating in the regular school educational program. And so the deprivation is is less as well.
0: So what closing comments, David, would you have on this topic?
1: Uh, mostly that the, that is school districts contend with marijuana, I think at this point, one, I'd note that uh, it's not legal yet, and so I'd tell everybody to relax until it becomes legalized, because at this point, it's not legal recreationally. And so I'm just not very concerned at this juncture that we have a crisis, to say the least. Uh, Two, school over to be aware that where it has been recreationally legalized, it has been 21 and up, and that's universal. There has been no state that has legalized it for anyone under 21. Um, and so that largely immunizes us against the school populace. Three, the uh, uh, as school districts are concerned about employees, I think they should be cons- they should pay attention to the effects, just like they do with alcohol within the school environment. If there's an effect, you can discipline based on what you can what you can prove in terms of the effect. And so again, I'm not terribly concerned about the intoxicating. Uh, result until it shows up as an effect within school, which is usually how we spot it with alcohol. And four, in terms of the medical use, I I think there's a great broad distinction between somebody who comes forward and says, I want to be able to use this and doesn't apparently uh, possess any need, and a student who needs uh, real intervention in order to meaningfully participate in the uh, educational program. I would not say yes broadly and I won't advise anybody to say yes right broadly because I don't understand yet what the federal government's going to do about that. But I think there's, you know, the school district lost the case in Ashley's law, at least at the first round. Um, I don't know where that case is going to head, but at least for now the school district lost and was ordered by the court to allow the student uh, to use uh, marijuana, which I think in that case may have been applied at home. You know, it's important, I think, for school districts to examine each circumstance individually. And I'd point out, you know, th- there are lots of drugs that are prohibited for general use that uh, students are prescribed, such as morphine within schools. Um, and, you know, obviously, morphine is a very, very heavily intoxicating drug. It's not generally permissible in the broader community. Um school districts only allow it uh, when it's absolutely necessary as prescribed by a doctor Uh, you know i view marijuana in the same way that i wouldn't want a kid to be using marijuana in school i wouldn't want a kid to be using morphine in school but if it's absolutely medically necessary we've got a doctor that says so it's uh, we have a student who cannot not just has trouble participating but is uh, completely unable to participate meaningfully in the educational program, I think the school district has to decide what's the, in their best interest based on that circumstance. Ashley's law changes nothing for them. I think that was the reality. I think school districts were doing the best for kids well before Ashley's law. And I think that the only thing Ashley's law at this point does for a school district is it requires the school district to adopt a policy. Um, and then they're going to determine based on their rules on a case by case basis um, whether they're going to allow certain uses and whether those uses, how those uses are going to be applied. That is, is the parent going to apply something at home uh, where it's really outside of our jurisdiction?
0: Well, thank you, David, for participating in our ISA podcast network.
1: Thank you, Dr. Volz. Greatly appreciate the opportunity. It was fun.